Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. This episode is the second part on social groups and affiliations on campus. Our last episode focused on sororities and fraternities. This episode looks at SLGs, independent living, and more. We talk to students to find out about their process in determining the right social group for them. We also talk to Emily Dye, Director of Student Engagement and Leadership here at Duke. We get her perspective on the future of social groups on campus and also advice on how to pick a social group. Listen now for these insights and more. I'm Emily Dye. I'm the Director of Student Engagement for Leadership. So in that role, I oversee all of our fraternities and sororities, and then also um, a number of our leadership programs across campus. And do you have any advice for students that are considering joining a sorority, fraternity, or other selective living group? So... Yes, lots of, so much advice. I, my, my first piece of advice to someone is always to know what it is that is important to you. Um, as an individual, um, what are things that are non-negotiables for you? Um, so if there are particular values or characteristics that you've found in other spaces where you found like you really belonged, whether that be in high school or that be here at Duke or, you know, at, at your family at home, wherever, um, what are the elements of that that are non-negotiable for you? How are you going to make sure that the space in which you're engaging also offers you that? My other piece of advice is realizing that you're going to grow and change and gain a lot from from being a member of an organization, but hopefully also you're going to be able to find an organization that's going to give back to you. And so making sure that you're you're seeing the relationship as being mutually beneficial. And so um, it should be one where you can better the organization, but also that organization can better you. And, and what about if a student is having, so if they've joined a sorority, fraternity, social living group, and they're just feeling like the fit is not right, or there's some sort of conflict that they're having with other members or values, um, what would you be, what would be some suggestions through working through that? Yeah, great question. You know, I think to me, it depends on the level of conflict, right? If it's apparent to that student that it's one of their non-negotiable things and that organization is not going to budge on their stance, and but it's a non-negotiable for that student, then they should leave. And, and I regularly say in our Embark program, like, I mean, my livelihood depends on fraternities and sororities being at Duke, right? Like I, my check every month is partially because I work with fraternities and sororities. But if they're not giving a student what that student's looking for, then, then don't be a part of it. But I also want to make sure that students are not just dismissing the opportunity to really enact change in a space where they could enact powerful change, right? If it's something that it seems like maybe the student that they view as non-negotiable, but they see that there are maybe some pockets within the organization that also recognize that that's a, a problem, right? Like um, coalition building of like, okay, who can I talk to? Who can I align with that may has, have a little bit more power in this organization that 
that agrees with me? And how can I, how can we sort of work together from sort of the ground up to change some of this culture in our organization? Um, we like to encourage students to do that, but we don't want students to stay in environments that aren't healthy for them. One common thread that came up through a lot of the interviews we had with students, whether they were in um, a Greek organization or an SLG or independent is the rush process and um, kind of how it, has an ability to turn students off to certain organizations and um, can just kind of be difficult overall also to manage with schoolwork. And especially we talked to a lot of engineers. So those first couple weeks at the beginning of the spring semester are usually pretty important. And so there's a lot of kind of balance between this organization will be, you know, a part of my Duke experience beyond this two and a half, three week stretch, but also it is kind of burdensome in some ways. So do you have any kind of opinions on that or advice for how to deal with that? I I, I do believe that all of our processes have flaws, right? Like I think that it's unrealistic, for instance, in the panelonic recruitment process that in a 10 minute conversation, you're expected to figure out whether or not these are going to be your lifelong friends, right? Like in our IFC processes, like it's a a long two and a half weeks. And the fact that students are expected to be at a lot of things like is also challenging. Like, um, and I think that, you know, in my time at Duke, we've tried to make some strides towards making those spaces more authentic and more flexible for students. I think we still have some ways to go. You know, I know that students really want to be a part of these groups, but I, it's another space where, again, recognizing the power that they hold like if if a group is saying come to this event or else you're not going to be part of our group then that's probably not a group you want to be a part of right like um and that's one thing that a lot of students bring up is like well you know I'm writing for the chronicle and I'm taking this you know heavy class load I'm worried that my organization is not like going to be okay with me doing these things okay well then then you don't want to be a part of that group right like if they're not comfortable with you taking care of the reason you're here, which is academics, (laughs) and also being involved in other things, then like that may not be the right space. And I think one of the messages I keep hearing and and something to reiterate for students is to realize that you have the power of choice and you should should be confident in the fact that you can make choices. And even though this is a social option, if it's not the right one for you, that there are people and centers that can help. Uh, connect you with potentially other groups, right? Yeah, and and we we have a lot of those conversations, unfortunately, like post recruitment and intake processes, like where that's when people are reaching out, being like, "I didn't get in. Um, now, what am I supposed to do?" And and we're happy to talk to those students, right? Like, absolutely, like let's help you find something meaningful to get connected with, um, whether it be a selective group or not. Like, let we want to make sure that students are connected and feel like they belong here at Duke. Um, but those conversations can happen beforehand too. And um, but I but I do, and and it's something that our office is really trying to try to get the point across to to students both before they join, but even after is you recognizing the power they hold in situations. Um, you know, I think we we assume that the organizations hold all the power and they do hold some power for sure. Like they're deciding who's getting in and who's not, right? But as soon as those invitations of membership get handed to that to those individuals, the power dynamic totally shifts, right? Like then that person has all the power. Um, clearly they want you. I mean, it's similar to a job, right? Like as soon as you get a job offer, then you have the power. Um, 
And so um, helping students realize um, that these organizations can't exist without members. And so if a group of five people have all joined and they all find that something that's happening is problematic and say, change this or we're leaving, I mean, they, they need those members, <laughs> you know, like um, the, the power of that coalition can be really strong. Okay, so I have heard that you were in a sorority and an SLG. Is that true? That's correct. And how did you decide? Was that freshman year that you joined both? So I felt, well, as an international student, I Greek life was such a kind of odd and foreign concept to me. But um, I'm a social person. And I think like from the little interaction I had with both types of groups, it felt like I wasn't one or the other, which is kind of what drove me to try and just like see what it'd be like be doing both. I figured like you can drop one if that ends up being the case. And it's already a manic month for everyone. So why not just make it a little bit crazier? But honestly, I loved the rush process. And maybe part of that was because I came in with no expectations as an international. Um, and I wasn't too bothered about what was going to happen from it. So that that's what got me through both of the rushes. What what about right now? Do you spend a majority of your time in one versus the other? Um, for me personally, I spend a lot more time in my SLG because they had a housing requirement for my sophomore year. So I had to live with them this semester. Um, and I found that the thing with the SLG was that I knew exactly what I was getting myself into because during rush, you go up and talk to whoever you want to talk to and you get to see a really broad range of members. Whereas in sororities during rush, it's like one rush group that you tend to talk to during the whole process. So maybe it's like seven or eight girls. And sometimes that's not a very accurate representation of what the overall group of people will be like. So for example, in my sorority, um, I got the impression that it was a very international group of girls um, that I could relate to on that level. But in reality, the PC that I'm in, PC being pledge class, um, is is pretty homogenous um, and, and not very representative of the organization I thought I was joining. And I mean, that's been nice. I've met lots of new people, but ultimately it's meant to be a place where you feel comfortable and where you feel like you connect and bond with people. And so for me personally, I don't think that's exactly what came out, which sucked because I loved Rush. I really, I really enjoyed it and I was very excited about it. But um, yeah, I guess it's a learning experience. And now what about engineering? How, how many engineer students would you say are in your sorority, in, in your SLG? And do you think that there needs to be uh, uh, engineering SLG or is this supposed to be something that fills and outside of engineering void? So I will say, like, there's people in these groups that are engineers. They're obviously, like, the minorities. And I think sometimes, especially in Greek life, it can be harder to be an engineer just because you feel like, you know, your work schedule is just, like, a lot, lot heavier than most other people. And sometimes, you know, it feels hard being the one to always be like, I can't, I'm sorry, I have to go to bed early or I have not bed early, that's a lie, but <laughs> I need to study or whatever. And that can become a bit old fast on both ends. Um, I'd say SLG, th there's a couple. It's not like you're completely alone, um, though definitely I think 
I think the way they're designed and the way the events are designed um, caters more for people with a lighter workload. So sometimes that can be tough. Um, how do you balance engineering workload with being in a social organization to social organizations? <laughs> um, I would say you have to be a bit shameless um, and not let what other people might think get in your way. Um I mean, personally, I got a lot of my like social party bug out before I came to college because the culture at home is just very different. <laughs> I've been at this for a long time. Um, but I think in general, like making the time for the people you really care about the most and not feeling the need to turn up to every single event because so many of them are the same thing. Um, and at the end of the day, like there's a not a lot of, a lot of events that just blur into one memory and they wouldn't mean anything to you after you leave this place. So like picking the times where you think you're going to make the most out of it, you don't need to be at every single thing. And I think the people that are, could probably be putting their time to better use in a place like this where there's like so much to do um and I also just feel like as much as I've like enjoyed the friendships I've made in social living groups like as I said it, it's valuable to meet people from different places and different perspectives and if you confine yourself to your social groups events and those only I don't think you're making the most out of being here and really like learning about yourself as much as you could be SLG was coming into Duke? No. No, I had no idea what an SLG I don't think I knew what an SLG was two weeks before. Really? <laughs> two weeks before the rush process. Got it. Um, so you mentioned that as a senior, you're not really involved. Do you find that is kind of common for everyone in your organization and within like uh, SLGs, Greek life in general? Um, and why do you think sophomores or like freshmen are more involved than, like, say, seniors. And is it is it unique to engineers, too? Mm -hmm. I guess it's like a follow-up on that. Sure. I think that's also related to the kind of um, importance of SLGs and fraternities on campus. I think people are just looking for a community, and it doesn't really matter what you call that community. And so once people have their group of friends and the social scene that they feel most comfortable and happy in, um, the kind of structure of that selective living group starts to dissolve, and you realize where you want to spend your time, regardless of whether or not that may be in the SLG or the fraternity. Um, I don't think it has necess necessarily, it's not necessarily related to engineering, um, but I definitely spend more time in the library, library than some of my, some of my peers. <laughs> does, does engineering provide its own uh, community for you? So is there an engineering <clears throat> community that fills or is this SLG something that's really important? I think there is a strong engineering community. I was someone that switched into mechanical engineering pretty late. So I was initially EC, then I was BME. And then when I got in, I was had to play some catch up in terms of getting to that. Um, yeah, if we're going to ask you for another podcast, which is a great thing. And, and so there'll be a, a follow up episode on that. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I think that I, I was not necessarily ingrained in that in that social culture 
um, as many of the mechanical engineers were in the end of their or beginning of their sophomore year. Uh, because you think that there's a community, especially as you get to be a senior, that revolves around your major. So potentially having come into that major late, you haven't built the relationships of that community. Yes, I think so. But I also, I, I do, am, I'm happy with my engineering community. I've got plenty of friends in the mechanical mm -hmm. engineering major. Um, and I think there is a special bond there. Um, did you find it hard to balance the engineering workload while you were rushing? And uh, how have you like been able to balance that? Or has it been an issue throughout being in a social group? Because we, we had a, a female student. And she said that she rushed for sorority. And it put her behind the whole entire semester. I think, in general, it is pretty difficult to balance, especially for people. Okay, so if you don't mind just briefly explaining the organization that you're in and how you found it, etc. Sure. Uh, so I'm in Alpha Phi Alpha, the Kappa Omicron chapter, which is uh, Duke's chapter. Um, Alpha Phi Alpha is the first fraternity uh, in NPHC. NPHC is the National Pan-Hellenic Council, so it's still like a Greek organization or Greek council, which is a different one, and there's nine of them. Also, our fraternity is all black, and so it tends to just be African-American students. And, and, and is that um, a requirement? So, so, so anyone, but male, has to be male, can join? Um, so Alpha Phi Alpha was a fraternity made primarily for African-Americans, mm -hmm. um, and so that's why it tends to traditionally be. But actually, the first white Alpha was at Duke. So I'd say just like how like fraternities and sororities uh, have their stereotypes, we do as well like within our council. Another thing like that NPHC is known for is our strolls. It's basically there's certain songs that we all have choreographs to. Um, so at parties or events, we'll do it. Um, and the other organizations do as well. Not all of them are on campus. We, we tend to be a lot smaller as well. Uh, and so there's not as much of a presence. What does smaller mean? Um, and so when I first joined freshman year, there was about 22 members overall in our fraternity. Um, and now there's only six. Some of the things that I like is that since we're small, it's more like a family. Um, and so in terms of planning events or sort of just throwing any sort of party or something on campus, we're all actively involved. So it's not just one, one person's job. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody sort of has input to how... It happens. Got it. And is the rush process the same as other f I IFC, IFC fraternity rush process? No, it's different. Um, so we hold an informational meeting for people interested in joining. So for freshmen, that would be in the fall sometime. And they express interest and we sort of maintain relationships with them. And then in the spring, uh, they go through the national intake process, which is basically three weekends or like a month of sessions every weekend, but it's not run by Duke students, it's run by like Alpha, Phi Alpha, the actual national organization. Um, and they go through that process. And basically, it's like a couple of tests, an application, and essays. Um, and then they get accepted. And then, yeah. Do you have an opinion on social organizations in general on Duke's campus? Or how do you think our current system is? Do you think it's flawed, positive? I think... But over, like, in a couple of years, I don't think Greek life is going to be what it was before. And I think it might even be gone, not like five years, but definitely down the line. Um, 
I think SLGs are a good replacement to that, uh, at least for Duke-specific campus. Um, but in terms of like my actual opinions, I have friends in sort of all groups. Um, I mean, everyone sort of has their stereotypes as well, but I, I think I've made friends with like a good amount of people in every group to sort of know them individually. And what about costs? We've heard like fraternities can be quite expensive. Now, because you're within a, a different umbrella, or is the cost structure? We have dues. It's 300 in the fall and 100 in the spring. Uh, but it's not as expensive as other fraternities. Mm-hmm. Also, our alumni donate. And so, um, like we have a chapter account. And so alumni continue to give back every month, which is nice. But the Duke Smart Home is an interesting nexus on Duke's housing and residence life because it's not really a living learning community. It's not an SLG. Um, so it's its weird own little um, enclosure off of Swift Avenue. <laughs> so how did you find out about it and how long have you been in the Smart Home? Um, so I found out about it um, before I even came to Duke. It was one of the drivers for my application because I really enjoyed sustainability and kind of especially like residential tech and IoT. Basically, I joined freshman year as a project team member. So I was working on smart shelters, um, which was a resident initiative to develop tents with like for refugee um, shelters with solar panel, hot water um, and clean drinking water. How do you get into the smart home? Yeah, so it's completely driven by student initiative. So just asking the project leads, if you see an idea that you're really interested in, you can just ask them to join, start coming to the uh, meetings and working on it. Do you find that since joining, have you found a community in the smart home? Oh, definitely, for sure. Um, And I think interests have shifted based on the residents I'm involved with, especially this year. Um, So it's definitely like a function of hanging out with these people that have different areas of knowledge and you're all together in the same home and you see the same problems, the same possible or potential for problem solving, uh, and you get to work with them, and just like a factor of just being able to bump into them every day and discuss random things from like HVAC efficiencies and control sequences to fenestration improvements. So there's a lot of engineering talk. I like that. But what what about (laughs) the other social aspects of Smart Home too? Yeah, so it's a product of kind of the residents living there each year um, and what they're okay with. I know this year we've had a couple different mixers with like Cooper, um, Jam, and other SLGs, um, which have been a lot of fun. (laughs) How many engineers, what percentage would you say the Smart Home is? I think it's about, it's usually around 50-50. What is the process for being assigned to live in the smart home? Is there like a application process or how does that work? Yeah, so we have like a hybrid rush kind of thing. It's kind of like rush and then we host events. We have a formal rush calendar, um, which we have to publish and all that. Um, But at the end of it, there's kind of a more formal application, which is like a written essay. We usually do interviews of potential residents um, and kind of determine it as like a factor of like rush involvement and then of course the strength of their application as well. Did did you rush a fraternity or try to join an SLG in addition to the smart home? 
Yeah, so I actually joined a fraternity in SLG and the smart home. Oh my goodness. Um, so <laughs> I'm a member of Kaisai, of JAM, the SLG, and of smart home. Wait, all three right now? Yeah, that's correct. And then because you're in pretty much all of the breadth <laughs> of social groups at Duke, what do you think makes the smart home like the most unique? Um, it's definitely smaller. It's limited to 10 residents, and there's also a full change of, like, um, turnover each year, so it's 10 new residents each year, although the exec board tends to retain a few of those residents. Um, but I think that's one unique thing, and also just the living space itself, um, and that you have your own house. What would you say is like your highlight and low light? Yeah, I mean, smart home low light was uh, so sophomore year when I applied to residentship and to exec board. I got rejected as a resident, oh. um, but accepted onto the exec board which is one of the weirdest dynamics. I think it's the first time that's happened. Um, the highlight is definitely getting to work with um, a few of the residents on these technical projects. Okay, can, we, can you give us your year and your major, please? So I am a sophomore graduating in 2022 and I'm a mechanical engineering major. Go mechanical. What prompted your decision to stay independent? So I actually took place in the rush process on campus that most students do and quickly realized that there was not an organization that I felt like it was worth being a part of uh, as opposed to just sticking with myself. So you um, you did not complete the rush or, or maybe can you talk a little bit about what your experience was? I, I know nothing about uh, rushing. Yeah, sure. So at the beginning of... Uh, Second semester, mostly freshmen and some sophomores and some other people will um, basically express their interest in organizations and here at Duke that could be SLGs uh, or Greek life really. And that for each organization that looks different, but mostly it's based around like social events where you go and meet the people in the organization. And it's a period that lasts for about two or three weeks. And so for me, I started like gung-ho just like all of my classmates and was going to a lot of events and by about week one week two I was like okay wow this is just not going to be it for me so so what would you say are some of the advantages now of being independent or do you have regrets now that you're a whole year after the rush process so I think some of the main reasons that I really enjoy being an independent is um, saving money is a big one, right? So my friends and whatever organization they're in are paying anywhere from like usually four digits to be a member of their organization. Yeah. And so I think, and I think generally this is pretty reflective of Duke, right? Like money equals like whatever form of mobility you want. So this, there's, there's like a whole irony to it that is pretty amusing to me. Was being an engineer a factor that you considered when you decided to not join a social organization? I think definitely, um, and maybe not consciously, because that second semester freshman year, your workload picks up a little bit uh, from the first semester. So while I never like fully with all like full awareness considered, oh, I'm an engineer, maybe this isn't a good fit for me. The workload then perhaps was making me pull back a little bit from fully sending a social rush or whatever. Do you think that Pratt is a community in itself? So it provides something. Um for you? I think that Pratt as a whole is probably couldn't be described as a community because there is quite a few of us, but the majors within Pratt for sure, because I mean, uh, 
just like if you meet someone and you didn't previously know they're in your major, that exchange of knowledge immediately communicates, okay, here's a list of things we've done that we didn't want to do. And so we're closer for it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so totally, but n- not at all in the same capacity that these organizations are. And so sophomore year, you start taking more engineering classes. Right. So freshman year, it's the physics, the math, and it's Trinity students and Pratt students. Do you feel that the social group has evolved then a little bit because you're now surrounded by m- m- the same students over and over again in these classes? So may- it's definitely evolved in the sense that my academic life and my social life are two completely different compartments. I d- they don't overlap hardly at all. So I go. So during the day, I go to, go to school, go to class with these set of people that are having the same set of academic challenges as me. Then I go back and like sometimes literally divide the day by taking a nap, and then it's like social, social time. And those are just two completely different uh, things for me. Yeah, I would say that not being in a fraternity or SLG has not hampered your your ability to meet people, no, do no, social no. things based on having conversations with you. Right, Is that correct? Right. And I mean, if to kind of bring some of the humor into it, like the the stereotypes that are built around the Greek life, I mean, the male and female groupings, I don't feel like I fit in. So for me, I like, in fact, I'm pretty happy to not be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have a boat and, you know, like go fishing on the weekends. Like this isn't a thing that I do. Right. So, so it's kind of nice. We, we, we have different, um, different organizations, ways that students can find their, their way. Right. Yeah. And I think that, um, the freshman year experience at Duke, um, now that I talk about it is so integral to have to the Duke experience that they give you a chance to make friends that aren't, uh, you know, built into the, social ex- rush experience but are instead just pure chance right so, so advice freshman year just enjoy it have fun engage meet people go out is is some advice yeah for sure and know that the friends that you're hanging out with that first week you can kind of treat them with that energy of i don't necessarily think i'll be friends with you a week from now so like really show them your true colors and if they're freaked out like that's fine whatever just move on okay so yeah there's more friends out there that's right yeah this engineering life is brought to you by the pratt school of engineering at duke university A special thanks to all of our interviewees for lending your thoughts and experiences with Greek Life and other social organizations at Duke. Also, thank you to Emily Dye for your wisdom and expertise. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our senior editor and engineer is Michael A. Betts II. Our theme music is by Ben Sound, and today additional musical support was by Blue Dot Sessions. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we talk to students about their study abroad experiences and what opportunities Duke has to go abroad. You can find this episode and more at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Ellie Smith. And I'm Becca Norman. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon. Bye.